Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. And if you notice, we are live. If you're already tuning in, great. I'm glad to have you guys aboard. I'm sure Corey is as well. Yes. <laughs> as I've said about 15 times now, this is our first time actually utilizing this together. I have no experience with it. Corey has a little bit. So bear with us. Things might be a little bit choppy here just because. Uh, that being said, man, the Cavs are now three and five in games played without Darius Garland this season. That is going to be something to keep an eye on down the latter stretches of the season, just because we don't really know the full extent of, you know, what his injury looks like right now. And I don't know if they're just kind of playing cautious with him or trying to just make sure that they're not rushing him out there too soon. Or if this really is a significant back injury, uh, what do you think about that? Do you think, uh, I guess really my question for you is, we've seen what the, the effort of these guys looks like over the past few games. Can they tread water without DG? Uh, seeing as we're struggling against the West's elite <laughs> with, with the Pelicans and the Rockets, it yeah. seems like it's kind of a struggle for this team to create any ball movement whatsoever without the guards. in. I feel like as we saw today, the offense turns into which big men can really flex their passing muscles to try to connect from high to low as consistently as possible. And as we learned from that last few possessions to close out that Rockets loss, it turned into Jared Allen force feeding the ball to a double teamed Kevin Love on a high to low pass. And I was just like, (laughs) damn, we really couldn't have just like, I know why we have Brandon Goodwin in the game for the offense, like the guard offensive kick that he provides. But in a situation like that, I think Rondo would have probably honestly been the better guard to throw into the two because there's no ball movement without Darius at times. Yeah, I think, you know, you heard the guys on the broadcast talk about it numerous times tonight. They were looking for Brandon Goodwin to be more aggressive than he looked. They, uh, mm-hmm. You know, what after what he showcased versus New Orleans, that's, that's definitely understood. So I, I get it. But just purely watching him, and this is a, uh, a sentiment that I kind of had even after that game when people are kind of overreacting a bit about how well he played and ready to cast Rondo to the side. <laughs> Um, that's definitely a bit of an overreaction, but to me, Brandon Goodwin, he is a 
well enough playmaker. But obviously, you know, we have the experience to lean on in Rondo. And even when Rondo isn't playing well, he still has probably still a bit more upside at this point than Brandon Goodwin has, especially heading towards the playoffs. Now, if you were to look at Brandon Goodwin's stat line tonight, I think he had some like seven points, seven rebounds, eight assists. <laughs> it's like near triple double <laughs> alert. But it's still even with that, the ball movement was stagnant at points when he was on the court. Similar to Jetty dishing out 12 assists in the Cavs <laughs> last game, but still, you know, just could not hit anything and the ball movement was still lackluster. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really know how they're going to be able to kind of make up for the loss of DG in the meantime. Hopefully he's back for this next couple of games that they have that are in the same kind of bucket, man. I think Within the next uh, three to four games, they see Indiana twice. They have the Hornets, who thankfully lost. <laughs> Thank God for that. And, you know, Boston is is below them, too. So that definitely helps. And then the Spurs, who are kind of in the same type of territory uh, that Houston is. Yeah, and they gave us a struggle the last time we played them. We were at more of full strength, I guess we'll call it, than we are now. And we had DG, the spur killer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we now God knows what that game would look like without DG. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Um, in order, and I keep telling people this, you have got to stop judging these teams by their records. Yeah, I mean, you, it's it's the old adage, don't judge a book by its cover, because these are still NBA caliber teams. These are still NBA caliber players. And especially tonight, Houston has a lot of young talent. I mean, mm-hmm. Jalen Green got drafted for a reason at number two. Christian Wood is still a pretty good big man in this league. Kevin Porter Jr. still has loads of potential, even if he is a head case. Um, uh, Eric Gordon, the Cavs are thinking about trade for <laughs> Uh, and then you, you go to their bench. There's just guys left and right here with saying, uh, Shangoon and uh, uh, Chris, Christopher Robinson. Or uh, what, uh, <laughs> I'm spacing out here, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Josh Christopher, Josh Christopher. I think. Josh yep. Christopher. Yeah, they they have Kenny Martin Jr. <laughs> mm-hmm. and who who's a dunk artist. They're just they're, they have Tate, a team. beast. Yeah, Ohio State alum. He is one. I think I tweeted about that. Him and Aaron Craft are probably my two favorite all-time Buckeyes. Those guys. Yeah, I'm still pissed that Aaron Craft really couldn't make it into the league, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you always hold that player that you watched in college, being like, "How on earth is this guy not in the league?" <laughs> then yeah, you, uh, yeah. you you read about their overseas adventures. <laughs> he was. Uh, I want to say he was a two-time D League before the NBA G League. He was a two-time D League Defensive Player of the Year. If I'm not mistaken, I think he won the D League championship with the yeah the Golden State Warriors affiliate, Santa League. Cruz. Yes, so it was definitely definitely a guy I wish could have made the rotation. But back to the Cavs. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not all doom and gloom. And I know fans. And I gotta ask you something honestly, Corey. You can be honest with me. <laughs> is my does my positivity great on people? Is is am I over? I don't think positive? so. I think Cavs Twitter is honestly a dark place and you really need to have like emotional support groups everywhere in order to get through some of the mud sometimes. So when I see in the timeline, everyone's like pulling the fire alarm and then I see 
a, a, a tweet from you. It's like, we got this. And then it's like, we're still down like 17 points. I'm like, you know what? Maybe we do still got it. <laughs> Who knows? I feel like I'm contractually obligated as a Cavs fan to, to be positive, especially with what we've been through these last couple of seasons, because we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And obviously we are not what many people consider to be, uh, you know, one of the top four teams in the league at this point, but hell crazier things have happened. And we have seen turnaround like turnarounds like this in the past. I mean, we we've talked about this a couple of different times now. Uh, look what Atlanta and New York did last season, even though they've reverted back. this year. <laughs> I wonder what happened to them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, it's just there's still a lot of room for excitement here, a lot of reasons not to not to be negative about this Caps roster, especially when you consider that they're down DG, they're down Lowry, they're down Colin, they're down Rubio, they're down so many key types of players. And what? yet they no. <laughs> still have won 31 games with 30 left. So they're still so so much room for optimism here and i hope you guys can join me in that uh i I just it does not pay to be negative i guess that's me you know that's that's my opinion if you're like i if you were negative when the team was in the lottery dwelling phase that makes sense i guess like i would give you a reason but if we're complaining about us lose like having a rough stretch without like like you said, a majority of our roster pretty much. And then we're playing. Yeah. We're losing against kind of the bottom of the barrel teams are keeping it close recently. I mean, teams go through ebbs and flows and this is a very, there's a lot of explanations as to why we're kind of struggling at this time. It's not like we're at full strength and it seems like the team's disinterested or they're not trying to match the level of their competition or anything. There's just so many ways in which you can point reasonably and logically and be like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. Let's give it a few weeks. And I guarantee you this conversation is not the same in that time. Yeah. Um, and make no mistake. There, there are points in games where I get pissed off and there are times that I'm just like, man, <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, case in point, the free throw percentage this year. Oh my I mean, God. <laughs> listen, listen to this, the, the Cavs, man, they're like all over the place in, in terms of their free throw shooting from game to game. It's not even just uh, from, from week to week is really from game to game. But just listen to this versus the Bucks, 14 of 17. That's that's good for 82.4%. Against Detroit, the loss, 16 of 25, 64%. I mean, there's a direct correlation there, obviously, with that loss. Those those free throws do hurt. Mm-hmm. Versus the Pelicans, uh, narrow victory, 12 of 14, 85%. Tonight versus Houston, 15 of 27. That's 54%. I, I, I mean, feel like there was a ton of O for twos as well. Like I feel like we like Allen and Jetty back to back misses. Yep, and I'm just like, oh, cool. And then Brad, Brad gets on the mic and he's just like, you know, the Cavs just need to make it o- get open. Maybe they'll get fouled and then we'll get some easy <laughs> points. I'm like, Brad, what are you watching? We're missing every free throw we're taking. Why are you saying get to the line? The line is not a charity stripe for us right now. Yeah, it's just one of those. And I appreciate Brad. I love listening to Brad. Um, you know, for those, you know, people listen to that episode of the podcast and give us a little backlash about not including any of those Eric Cabs 
in our all-time Cavs uh, hey, lineup. Hey, we were up front. We were saying we're, we were determining it off of what we watched. We didn't say we're exactly. historians. Exactly. I'm, I'm 28 years old. I, you know, caught very little of Brad Doherty live or anything like that. <laughs> so, I mean, I ev- everything that I watch, he's fun. He's still fun to play with. But, um, you know, all of my knowledge of him is based upon YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, uh, doing research and stuff like that, but yeah, I, I just general, I do generally like listening to Brad when he's on the the uh, when he's a commentator. He compliments John Michael and AC so well, and he is always positive, even mm-hmm. towards two minutes left in the game when they're down like 13, 15 points. They can, they're still in it. They can still win. That's uh, also he, AC's thing. He'll also just keep it like so positive <laughs> at all times. He'll just be like. <laughs> All we had to do is get two quick stops, and we're right back in it. It's like AC, That's, we're down seventeen. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Even I am not that optimistic. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, move on. It's good. It's it's just, it's just a bad game. Uh, let's let's talk about a little bit more of some of the bad things here. And so, it was apparent early on, dude, that they that Houston was able to take Cleveland's bigs out of their element. I don't know what that was all about. Like the foul trouble that Allen got in so quick. It just it felt like it happened at the drop of a hat. Three early fouls. That really set the Cavs back. I mean, what what is your takeaway on that? How how did that even happen? I am so confused by Houston's offense in general. Like going into it, and the announcers like pounded the idea into your head too. It's like they just are so individually operated as a team. Like the ball movement with Houston is non-existent. It's weird when the it's ball like gets passed forcing. to someone. It's like, all right, well, now that the ball touched my hands, this is an ISO possession. Now everyone just steered clear, and you could tell like the Cavs' help defense was kind of useless at that point because they were not going to pass. It just felt like whoever was in is like, all right, you're going to get charged at like you're doing like the nutcracker drill in football when you were younger and you just would run into <sighs> someone full force. Those. Yeah. <laughs> hated those. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I did play football a little bit <laughs> more so basketball, but uh two sport guy, but and that just, you know, I always got to man uh, <laughs> with, with my DG Jersey on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah that was just i don't know their offense is 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 weird they do operate as you say kind of like individually and you see it in there they're still trying to experiment with different things um i truly do not believe kevin porter jr will work out as a starting point guard beside Jalen green i just don't see it I didn't see like any chemistry really between the two it was like they both succeeded in the game but they succeeded in completely like individually from one another you wouldn't think they benefited each other by being on the court at all it was like no complimentary play whatsoever yeah i think uh long term um you know this is this is probably too early to speculate on it obviously with it being jalen green's rookie season but i think they would be far better served uh later on moving kevin porter jr to the bench uh, I think that's a perfect role for him on that team. That's not to say that he couldn't start elsewhere, but I think that uh, a bench-type role with more of a traditional point guard would definitely suit Jalen Green a bit better. I mean, Maybe John Wall. <laughs> John Wall for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Free John Wall. 
Shit, it's an Ides game. Free Eric Gordon. <laughs> I know. You can just send him on over. We'll give you your second round pick back if you really want it. Yeah. Um, that's just I'm trying to make light of it, obviously. But yeah, that was that was just a bad effort all around, especially on the defensive end. Like offensively, I get it the stagnation. I get the lack of playmakers. Uh just kind of makes things a little bit difficult on Cleveland's bigs, as we often do play through them. Um, that's mm-hmm. the whole, that's what we do. It's pick and roll. We we live and die by the pick and roll. I feel like when we're at our most successful. So when teams take that away, and we already saw even before DG went out, we already saw teams adjusting uh, to that part. But able to get by largely just because the individual efforts of what each one of those starting uh, the the guys in the starting unit brings to the table. DG can go from playmaker to devastating scorer on the drop of a hat. Um, he knows how to switch the game up in regards to that. And then you look at, you know, Jared Allen, his chemistry with him, you know, burning that pick and roll is just such a big part of their game. And when you don't have DG out there to kind of spoon feed these guys or set them up, it's difficult to open the offense up. So just, it, it was expected. It, it, it was these, these losses are, are expected. And that's why I'm not taking them as hard as some Cavs fans are. <laughs> yeah especially when you you said the defense like the, you kind of knew off the tip that the defense was going to be worse because the strength of this Man. Cavs defense is the the three bigs in your lineup mm-hmm. and when you swap dean wade for jetty you're basically saying like you know the defense about is about to get a lot worse but you're trying to make your offense a lot more uh it will be more functioning because jetty will pass because like we said in the new orleans game and we've seen in the past he's a he's a willing passer always sometimes to a detriment he tries to force a pass or two but he they definitely thought if goodwin and him are on the floor together they'll provide more of a scoring punch and less but they're defensively both like gonna just let people buy most times so it was a give and take yeah. a worthwhile experiment though because at, we saw in the new orleans game with the when we tried to trot out the point jetty and dean wade that necessarily <laughs> didn't work out that great either but, but but they played dean 13 minutes i mean that to me yeah. like i was gonna i was gonna have what's that about like is it just game flow I think it was just game flow. I feel like, yeah, they couldn't find a way for him to really slot back. In. I mean, they played Ed Davis pretty much over him at like at points in the game, and I was like, wait, why is Ed out here again? Exactly. <laughs> but, like we saw Dean line up three through five last season in spurts. So yeah, I don't. Know. <laughs> I I couldn't tell you. I feel like they were really. I felt like JB was throwing a lot of different lineups out there throughout the duration of this game. I felt like the rotation was constantly changing. I didn't think there was any rhyme or reason. It was like, all right, that didn't work. So let's try something else. And he threw out a whole new lineup and we never really found one that kind of worked until the end of the game, but then turnovers really closed the deal for us in that one. Yeah. Uh, head into that last stretch of the game when it was one Oh two, one Oh five, I'm thinking to myself, "All oh, shit. Now I get to, <laughs> I get to blast some people on here. that has been calling the Cavs out the whole game. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was, I literally had the tweet, ready on my phone to say this switch just flipped. This is about to be a huge win. And then it turned into a transition dunk by Kevin Porter jr. And I was like, you know what? I'm he just going to delete your tweets away. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. And then the Christian would step back three and I'm like, okay, this is a night for me. Like this yeah, is the end. It, 
just just not a good night in general. There's still some positives though. I mean, Mobley dropping a career high, 29 points. I mean, that's if that doesn't make you feel good, I don't know. Even in a losing effort. I mean, he was he almost brought them back. I, I believe he was the one who made the score 102, 105 towards the end of the game. I thought, hey, just feed him the ball a few more times. Uh, maybe we'll we'll make an overtime game of this, but obviously with the turnovers, that was that was not going to happen. But yeah, man, we 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 have seen Cade Cunningham, you know, kind of turn things up these last few weeks. Is it safe to you know? I, I feel like I ask this every single episode, but are you are you starting to feel like Mobley's case for the Rookie of the Year is all but locked up at this point, or is there still some ground that Scotty Barnes and Cade can catch up here. I think as long as the Cavs stay in the position that they're in and Mobley plays at the same level, he doesn't really need to take it up a notch or anything. If he just stays a defensive presence and occasionally has good offensive games, I feel like he'll always be at the top of the leaderboard. I think right now I saw a lot of people freaking out on Twitter that the new rookie ladder had Cade Cunningham at one, but it's also because... I mean, let's be honest. Are you going to click on an article where it's Evan Mobley every week <laughs> is number one? Like yes. people on Twitter are so <laughs> clickbait oriented. It. They need to be like, oh, my God, Josh Giddy's at one. That's ridiculous. And then they'll like take a look at it. And then they're like, oh, boy, man, it's just uh, yeah, the giddy hive, you know, <laughs> me and Mac Robinson. <laughs> We're just operating the giddy hive in silence. Yeah, I do like what he brings. He's a very good player. He's very that's a good spot for him too. It gives but, a, I uh, think OKC gets a lot of crap for like just being a place where kindergartners go to learn how to become NBA players. But <laughs> at the same time, like it allows you also to kind of figure out what you're good at in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to know how to operate well as a, a team based player, but individually you kind of find your strengths and weaknesses every day. Cause you're kind of working with a bunch of people also doing the same exact thing. Yeah, they have a very G League, you know, um, what is the right term? AAU type of feel <laughs> to their team. Uh, but I will say, just remember what Chris Chris Paul did for them. Uh, they could be like a veteran or two away from being right back in the mix of things. Especially but, if they keep Shea around. Shea is the glue that will keep that franchise like in the pro- like viewed in a promising way, but if they trade away Shea for more picks, that team just loses all credibility in general. <laughs> yeah. It's just, there's, there's a lot of similarities there between them and like year, the last two seasons that the Cavs have had, it's just the, the difference is that the Cavs were able to make a couple of key acquisitions and, and draft Mobley. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, a lot of similarities there. Um, just, all overall, good and bad tonight. Good and bad. There's just a, a lot of takeaways here that they can probably, you know, hopefully JB is is cooking something up in the locker room. Hopefully he's able to get these guys to kind of settle down a bit because their defensive efforts the last few games have been, you know, less than desirable. I, I will say that. Um, as a fan, you know, that's not really for me to to figure out. But as for JB, that's he's got to get these guys – uh, back in their correct headspace because they they just don't look defensively engaged as they have been this season. Yeah, I feel like. Of, oh no, you go. <laughs> no, dude, go ahead. I just feel like it all comes down to just if they can't run those big three bigs together. Personnel. Yeah, the personnel just determines this defense because they 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 can be flexible at times between switching between zone man maybe like 
box and one sometimes, but they really like to run like a one, three, one at most times with Mobley yeah. kind of holding down the fort, but without marking in, you're losing that length and you're also losing him on the offensive end to create someone to stretch Spacing. the floor. Yeah. Spacing has been brutal also <laughs> since he's been gone. Like we, you and I have talked about like for the past few weeks, how marketing gets a lot of flack, even when his, like, his shot yeah. wasn't dropping, but you can't now that you see what life's like without marketing, even if his shot's not dropping, the offense looks so much more clogged. Craters in general. Yeah. No yeah, offense I mean, to Dean again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sorry, Dean. It's hit and miss, man. It's hit and miss. <laughs> for, for not our for love Lowry, for you. Yeah. <laughs> for Lowry. Uh just very underrated guy from what he brings to to the table, both from a spacing standpoint and his defensive abilities, you know, just having that length. I mean, let's be honest here. He's not the quickest guy, especially when you're trotting a a seven foot guy out there at the three, but his length is legitimately bothersome. And so a lot of people had been taking that for granted. Now we're finally seeing what the, you know, what kind of results that can yield you without having him in the starting lineup or really in the lineup at all. I mean, mm-hmm. spacing is just hard to come by. And that's why, you know, even when you have guys like um, Jetty out there who who kind of looks like they're forcing it a bit and, um, you know, overplaying Kevin Love a bit. And I was I was really starting to get scared there that uh, they were going to kind of overdo Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely a bright spot, though. But we, we, we just don't want to put too much on Kevin at this point in the season. We want to keep him upright. Yeah, no, I felt like in the past two games in general, I've been thinking like, man, this team needs Kevin Love to play at a certain level without Garland in order for them to win. And it's a level that he has been providing all year, but he provides it as a complementary piece. But when you're forcing him to cut, like, it feels like he is the pseudo starter. Yeah, he feels like the son of this offense and everything's just revolving around him. And if he's not hitting anything or he can't find ways to be the connective tissue for other players, then the offense is like, oh, my God, what the hell are we going to do now? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like I I feel so like I feel like this kind of just proves the value of Kevin Love because I don't think we would have beat New Orleans without Kevin Love, honestly. I don't and I don't think we would have even come close in this Houston game without Kevin Love because there's times where it's like, all right, Kevin, kind of work your magic in the post. Minnesota Kevin Love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and then you're you're like, Kevin's like, if I have to, I guess. (laughs) He's never one to shy away from just making a barrage of shots. But I don't know. I I just think this kind of – I tweeted it. I'm like, this – should permanently allow Kevin Love to be on the ballot for six man of the year because I don't think any other player in the league com- comes off the bench and a team depends on him like life or death like the Cavs kind of do right, right now. If this dude is not like top three in the voting come the end of the season, I'm going to lose it. Dude. <laughs> if Jeff Carlo dropped brand. a song called Kevin Love, then maybe he would get more credit because that's all Tyler Hero needs apparently for him to get yeah, credentials. No, I don't get that. I feel, Tyler Hero has started – uh, a, a good amount of games too. I feel like I don't know. I need to look at the numbers again. But Kevin, if he's not in the top three at the end of the season, I'm de- I'm going to go on a, a long rant. Just fair warning. I'll <laughs> join you. It. We'll do it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that that dude, man, I think he has by now earned the right to to retire a Cavalier if he wants to. Because I know there's going to be some enticing there's going to be some enticing offers that the Cavs will get. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. They're going to get an offer for him. 
LeBron can stick with Russell Westbrook. He made that decision himself. He could have had Kevin Love two years ago if he wanted it. <laughs> uh, don't sleep on that now. I mean, they – I don't know. I could still see LeBron coming to Cleveland still. I mean, in the next two seasons, I could still see that happening. Who who knows what the hell's going to happen? <laughs> well, once we get Bronald, as he's now called, <laughs> then it's it's all fine. Is is that what they're calling Bronny now? He 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 uh like submitted like three trademarks for names, and one of mm-hmm. them was Bronald. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, I was just like, is that like your alter ego or something, Bronny? <laughs> like to just be like Bronald. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's some weird stuff. But uh, he's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's a kid. What are, what are you gonna say? Uh, yeah, I could still see that happening later on down the line. But uh, just in regards to Kevin Love, I'm I'm just ecstatic that he's finally, you know, returning to, to re- returning to form to a certain point. I mean, he's a star even off the bench. He still has star qualities. That's why they were even during the Golden State games. Who did you see on the posters? Yeah, <laughs> Kevin exactly. Love. <laughs> no, yeah, not Darius Garland, not uh, Colin Sexton or Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. You saw Kevin Love as the headliner for Cleveland. And that brought joy to my heart oh, yeah. <laughs> as a sole Clay, Kevin Love survivor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm very, very excited about him, uh, about what he brings to the table. I just hope that they don't ride him too hard down the stretch. And that's... It's beginning to be. Well, we we keep talking about this about being able to find these guys rest. Um, DG is forcibly, you know, taking rest now with the injury and whatnot. But these guys are starting to look like they're wearing down. Um, can you just give me your thoughts real quick before we kind of end things off here? What is going on with? Is there something going on with Jared Allen? Like, did the illness affect him? in some type of physical way, or is he just being continues to be more physical with him? Or is it just the, the stagnation of the offense? I think it could be a combination of the stagnation. And we kind of saw a little bit towards the end of last season with Jared Allen that he kind of tailed off in his production towards the end Weird of the down. year. I think, you know, when you play his style of center, it's old fashioned, it's bump and bruise, it's taking a ton of contact. I think eventually you just kind of get sore and it beats you down. So it could be a combination of that. It could be him not playing with Darius because his offense kind of relies a lot on what Darius does with him in the pick and roll. It also could just, like you said, be coming off the illness because we see athletes today who have covid or came off COVID. They don't seem like they're themselves for a while, but I don't think it's anything to really worry about at this point in the year. If he's still like this with like 10 games to go, then yeah, I'll be a little concerned heading into the postseason. But yeah. I think there's so many factors at play that it's, it's explainable to be, to wonder why he's like this right now. The only thing I'm questioning is why he is trying to force these passes at times lately into double coverage. I feel like he did it like twice this past game. And yeah. I was just like, I get why he did it because like, it's like, if no one else is going to try to move the ball, I'll, I guess I'll <laughs> try to take the wheel, I guess. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of cost us towards the end of the game, but I'm not going to point fingers either because I just feel like it's so easy to explain why he did it. It's not like <laughs> there were other great options available. It wasn't Andre Drummond esque. <laughs> it wasn't, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> You never see Jared Allen be like, guys, I'll bring it up the court. All right. <laughs> and everyone's just like, okay. Cause that's what happened with Drummond. Like every like three possessions. He, there was, I, 
I feel like people were too hard on Drummond at points, but I will say this, like at certain points, and it was a good amount of times too, he just kind of seemed like he was like, man, I do not give a shit. I'm going to go ahead and try and develop other areas of my game because we're not winning anyways. <laughs> it was like Andre Drummond thought like some recruiter for like a five-star school was like watching him in the bleachers. Yeah, Coach was, like, oh. was out there. Coach K's Coach, watching me. Coach K's farewell tour. Watch him. He'll watch me dice up these 76ers right now. And then he'll just trip and be on Shaq and the Fool like a week later. <laughs> yeah. Shaq and the Fool Hall of Famer right there. But very, still a very good rebounder. Um, we could really use that right now. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm starting to notice the need for uh, somebody behind Jared that can really provide that. And that's why I tweeted out the other day, bring back Isaiah Hardenstein. Mm. But I, I really do see a need for that. Um, a defensive minded rebounding center off the bench could really, really help the Cavs out right now. Yeah. If we had like the, the, cause you look at the spark that the Suns have right now with Bismack Biombo coming for them and providing really good minutes. Honestly, I just love to have JaVale back. I feel like JaVale would be a perfect right. compliment to what we're having, like what we're missing. We are missing like that type of player. Hartenstein was more of like, kind of like, I called him like a, like a real, like a B minus version of Jokic at times. Like I feel like they <laughs> kind of played similarly, like, cause he had good vision for a center. For he could sure. pass. He could, pass. he could be like a little tiny hub <laughs> offensively. He provided good stuff on both ends. But I think we need more, like you said, like defensive rim running type, just like a simplistic center. Just know your role, know what the, it is going to be within the offense. I don't, I think that's easy to find though. Like if we were really, I think I read that we were getting like 3.1 million from Colin Sexton. Yeah. Like you could easily find a center on a basement dwelling team and just take that trade immediately. You can order you one on to. eBay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much pre owned. <laughs> It's been owned by like 27 people. There's one bid on it. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely pick a center up that fits that mold these days. Those guys, um, I'm sure anybody would probably love to to get into that role at this point for the Cavs. That's something that they sorely need. Bring back Tristan Thompson. Oh, my I don't, God. I, <laughs> That'd be great. I, I know a lot of people would probably be against that move, but I would actually like to see that because I feel like in a in a limited role, I feel like he could still rebound. With, with some of the best of them on the offensive side. But in regards to defense, he has lost a step, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Cavs honestly need, like, you. if we're going with the perception that you and I have been having for the Cavs trades, like, I think if they had to make two minor moves, it's to acquire another point guard to be a backup that's more scoring-minded, I guess, Dennis. consistently, like a bucket getter. Like, I, I really, I don't know why, I've been like thinking about Jordan Clarkson a lot, <laughs> but bro, you know, they are not coming off of Jordan. <laughs> no, I know. I'm saying like, that's like, I wish I could just take Jordan Clarkson yeah. and throw him into this team because I feel like at times like that would really help cover the Darius hole offensively. Cause if we have him and Rondo, we're kind of getting both aspects of Darius. Cause we're not going to find a, a player that's like, a B minus version of Darius Garland out there that we could just yeah. be like, Oh sweet. They want to get rid of him because those players don't exist. And if they do exist, they're not going to get rid of them because they're super valuable bench players. So it's Darius, like, he's really Ricky Rubio to... was a B minus Darius Garland. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Rubio was an A plus. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect you, Rubio. You brought so much to the table. I miss you. 
yeah, Rubio was a gift and a curse because it just now you you loved having him and now you're like I miss what he brought so badly and he's he so irreplaceable. Both. He could do both. Like the shooting percentage is just terrible, but he just it didn't matter because it didn't feel terrible. Him, no, it didn't because it was timely when you, when you needed him to hit a big shot, especially the three ball. And I can think of a few different games right now where even in a loss, he he kind of got us back in or won the game for us. Well, think about that last Pelicans game when he mm-hmm. flirted with the triple double and no Darius. Like the offense still kind of ran God. pretty similarly. And then, uh, yep, we believe it or not, we overplayed our starters. <laughs> that's yeah, a crazy that's, concept. That's exactly what happened with Rubio. I feel like you kept his minutes down in that game. He's we we even if we took an L, I would have lived with that any day of the week over having to flaunt the idea out there trading his contract because he's out for the season. It's just. Crazy man, I don't know. <laughs> We're so close uh, to the trade deadline too. Now, now it's like, what's our segment going to be when we can't talk about us trying to stay packed? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really starting to get antsy about that. Like you know us, you know we we keep saying don't make a move if you don't have to, or make a move within the margins, or if the price is is not too high. And I feel like we're both still kind of feeling that way, but at the same time, it's like it kind of starting to feel like a move is imminent. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be, and hopefully it's not Colin, you know, or anything like that. Hopefully they just utilize what they have at their disposal in regards to these uh, exceptions, but it's beginning to be more and more difficult envisioning the, the roster to remain the same that it is uh, after the deadline. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm at in regards to it though. I just feel like it has to, I, I really could see this team improving with slighter, like really slight moves. It doesn't have to be a splash or anything. We can just keep operating within the margins and the team will reap a lot of benefits because you just need players to fit certain holes of your team. And it's kind of clear what the Cavs are missing and we don't need to like sacrifice depth or key pieces of our bench or Ricky Rubio's future with the team in order to fix some of these holes, especially if we're not trying, like, I don't think this team is in its mind trying to go for a title run. It's just trying to be competitive. So you Mm -hmm. really don't have to push anything right now. Yeah. And I I certainly hope that is the case. Um, You know, going to this season, we always thought this is a year for development. This is year for evaluation for a couple of guys, especially in regards to contracts. We already know we don't have to beat a dead horse here. We know what was going on with Colin. They wanted to see him. They wanted to see if he could actually impact winning. And I feel like this was the first season he was going to do that. We all know how that went. But by and large, season was mostly and still is to a certain degree about evaluation. Now, that's not to say that, you know, the uh, the expectations can't be, um, and I think the term that I've used to describe this throughout the season is fluid. You have to be fluid in regards to your evaluation of this team just because of the way that this season has gone. But that still doesn't mean it's time to push in all the chips and, and and this is the season to go for it all. Um, and I do believe me, dude, I get the the argument that uh, you never know, you know, when the window is going to be open or when it's going to be closed, because this does kind of seem like a year where it, it, the East is open to a degree. I mean, you look only a game and a half at any given day 
you know, two at the most is is what separates the Cavs from the number one seed and, and mm-hmm. really about four or five <laughs> other teams. <laughs> so I don't know. I still don't think they need to do anything rash, but I, I'm definitely starting to get a little bit more and more anxious about it. Yeah, no, I feel like the thing about the East, like you, you could think the window's open right now, but that's also because you have to factor in the injuries that a lot of the top teams are kind of dealing with. Like if it's playoff time and they're at full strength, these this Cavs team doesn't really match up well with a lot of the top teams. So it's kind of like if you go for pushing in all your chips and then you're like, you get annihilated in like the second <laughs> round by like one of the top teams in the East. It's like, Bucks. well, we just gave up a lot of flexibility in the off season just uh-huh. to, to get careful for, <laughs> yeah, thank God we got Colin Sexton again. <laughs> Sweet, but he's a little less efficient and a little taller. Awesome. Yeah. I think I think it's fair to evaluate on the fly, but I think it's also fair to have a longer term point of view. I mean Exactly. Everyone thought with this Hawks team last year, they go to the conference finals off of I, I want to say a little bit of a fluky stretch in the sense that I think the 76ers were a crumbling team kind of heading into it because they never offensively they have not been a great team since jimmy butler left that roster it's kind of like they can't figure out who they really want to be the main like the main horse to lead the carriage i guess yeah (laughs) but it's well i think they know they know now (laughs) yeah and then they double down on their team. They think that they figured out the formula. They bring in a bunch of players to the point where there's like so many minutes for so many players. And you can just see now their identities lost again. It's just like postseason basketball is so different from regular season basketball. It's like, it's crazy to think that this Cavs team would try to make moves based off of a 40, 50 game stretch to determine its next six years. I think we should just sit, wait it out watch this team grow. Cause a lot of our core pieces are so young too. They're not even at like close to their apex of potential yet. That's exactly how I feel, man. It's just like, enjoy the ride at this point in time. If the right move comes along and it kind of pushes the caps into another stratosphere. Um, although highly unlikely, go ahead and go for it. Don't alter the trajectory though. If you don't have to, just because this is not that year, this is not that season. And we are no longer, the LeBron James Cavs where you have to it's 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 all systems go every single season. It's not like that. Um, you got to take the slow and steady approach. Yeah, it's like also I think you, people would counter and be like, oh, man, look how the Knicks fare, though. Like they were the Cavaliers <laughs> kind of of last season. But when you look true, back on the true. Knicks team, it's very easy to point out why they're not succeeding this year. It was a lot of new factors heading into the team. It was a weird COVID year. Also their team's older. It's not like they were built on young players in the slightest. They were going off of a Renaissance year from Julius Randall to be their star player. They were depending on a lot of veterans. Derek Rose was like reincarnated. Nothing seemed that sustainable. The Cavs have three young players that are all continuing to ascend into stardom. And yes, they have a Kevin Love renaissance that they're using as a crutch right now. But at the same time, like Kevin Love, if he like this team has a core that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think you could have said the same for a Knicks team last season. You were like, people were always like, I I don't understand how this Knicks team is doing so well. It's so defensively oriented. Yeah. (laughs) 
It was. Uh, I mean, it's a miracle season for them. I mean, and and the Hawks are on on the other spectrum of that because they are they have a lot of young talent and and they had a great mix, a great integration of veteran talent within that. Just a bad season so far this year for them, but they're in a completely different boat. They still have a lot of their young core available to them. The Knicks, on the other hand, like you said, I mean, Julius Randle. What is Julius Randle like? Twenty six, twenty seven years old already. Yeah, he has to be up there. I think he was like a, he was. I, I want to say like the 2011 draft, but maybe Lakers, was a later. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He so, was like the seventh yeah. pick. I just don't remember what year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, me neither. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the Cavs are, are different in the point that they are like miles ahead of their development trends that you would typically apply to guys of this, you know, this age. And it's not like they have a ton of veteran presence on the squad outside of you know, Kevin Love, I guess if you want to lump Ed Davis in there, you know, yeah. Ricky is is out. But this is mostly a youth movement here. So there's time. We have so much time on our side. I just don't want fans to get lost in, you know, lost in the sauce to the sense. I just, just, just be patient. Damn it. Just be patient. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're going to be okay. Justin and Carter always say it best on their podcast. Like this is the time that you're supposed to enjoy as a fan, because the expectations aren't there. Anything you're getting right now is a huge bonus and you should just enjoy the ride. Cause when expectations start to settle in, that's when the fun kind of ends. And I, I feel like that sentiment kind of carries with me with this team. Like I'm just enjoying, I went into this year being like, I hope we just make the play in. So anything with me with this, I think I've been like that kind of optimistic though for the past two seasons. I remember last Mm -hmm. year, I'm like, this could easily be a play in team, but (laughs) the dominoes didn't really fall towards the end of the year. But I left that season thinking that this was going to be a decent team for sure. And then the marketing trade was kind of like, I viewed it as our Danilo Gallinari move, like what the Hawks did, where they acquired a a solid offensive veteran off the bench. I didn't think he was going to start at the time. I didn't either. Didn't foresee him starting at the three, believe it or not. (laughs) I I mean, if he was going to start, I thought he was going to start over Mobley to begin the season. But I mean, obviously JB knows ball. So yeah, I'm never going to (laughs) question JB's decisions. That man is the coach of the month. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, just just still a ton of reason to be excited about him. Uh, but with that being said, man, I guess we've kind of gone on here long enough. We can go ahead and end the show at this point. Uh, people who are watching, if we still have any viewers left at all after all these uh, all these kind of off-topic subjects, <laughs> um, make sure you go subscribe on YouTube. We definitely are trying to increase – our content on there and we definitely would love some feedback from you guys in regards to that. So every little bit helps get us to a thousand. We really want to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Also follow us on Twitter at it's Kevlar underscore pod at Devron Perry at common underscore core. Make sure you go out and do that. Also, I just, I got to say it. I've been holding off on it for a while, for a while. (laughs) If you're going to listen to the show, the least you can do is leave us a damn review on Apple podcast. And Spotify. I hate to break this bad news to you, but I was the first reviewer on, on Spotify. So we have a pristine five out of five rating. That's awesome. I do, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I rarely check the Spotify, the, the Spotify stuff. I check yeah, it's just all Apple podcasts <laughs> for me. 
but I only uh, do it because yeah. I subscribe to Spotify now. So now I just have to, I have to make my money worth it, you know? <sighs> yeah. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you get your MBT, uh, NBA TV situation settled? This nope, this is game. a never-ending battle with me. Honestly, <laughs> I now am subscribing through uh, listener of the show, Uncle Tom, <laughs> recommended <laughs> that I get this Uzu.com. It's what? like you can get all these live games for seven bucks a week, and I'm like, that's what I would pay to watch this game individually. So now I just I pay seven bucks a week if I know the Cavs are on NBA TV. So that's where I will be watching Cavs Hornets this Friday. People are getting pissed off about that, man. Like, like people are like, "Oh, Cavs are getting the game flexed to NBA TV." God damn it! Like, how am I going to watch this? Yeah, I mean, and then like, the, they updated their package, I guess, for next season that it's half the price, and you're getting NBA TV games. And I'm like, "Well, that would be really nice if you could just mm-hmm. do that now." It just takes a quick programming fix. Like, why am I not able to watch NBA TV? It's ridiculous. I don't know, but we've gone on long enough. You're ranting about nothing, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Have a good one.